Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Monday, May 24th, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Louisiana State Police officially released nine body cameras and dash cam videos of the arrest of Ronald Green. His mother and attorney will join us to discuss. An inaugural remembrance of George Floyd rally was held in downtown Minneapolis in advance of the first anniversary of his death, which is tomorrow. American companies pledged $50 billion towards racial equity following the death of George Floyd. But most of that money has not been spent. We'll talk about that and more in our Where's Our Money segment. 
where we'll also talk with the founder of the New Jersey Black Economic Justice Coalition about their demands for equity, financial equity, black economic social justice in New Jersey. And Democrats are concerned the provision ending qualified immunity for law enforcement officers will not be part of the final George Floyd Justice Act, Justice and Policing Act, now being negotiated in the United States Senate. We'll also be joined by New York City mayoral candidate Eric Adams, who has been leading the polls along with Andrew Yang. Plus, Hezekiah Walker and Jason Claiborne will be here to talk about their musical collaboration. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Green, the black man from Louisiana, arrested in May 2019 while in handcuffs. He was stunned, punched, and dragged by up to six white state troopers during his arrest. He died. Two years later, his death is under a federal civil rights investigation. Green's family was initially told he died due to crashing into a tree during a high-speed chase. We now know that is an absolute lie. The body camera video tells a much different story. Many believe the decision to wait two years after his death to release the footage is suspicious. This is what was released on Friday, folks. I'm going to show you some of this video here, and again, where the world finally got to see exactly what happened to Ronald Brown. Go ahead and play it, y'all. Uh, and so, this is the video here uh, that was released uh, on Friday. That's not a car accident. That's not slamming into a tree. And so, you hear how they're talking to Ronald Green. You, you, and so, folks, this is how shocking and shameful what took place in Louisiana. Two years, two years they fought to keep this video from being made public. Sounds eerily similar to what happened in Chicago when Laquan McDonald was shot and killed by police officers and they lied. And they fought to keep that videotape from being made public, including then-Mayor Rahm Emanuel. And when media outlets forced the release of that video, the world saw for the first time what actually happened. And that is what led to the indictment and the conviction of former Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke. Joining us now is Ronald Green's mother, Mona Harton, and civil rights attorney Lee Merritt. Um, Glad to have both of you here. Um, Mona, while we were playing that video, you uh, covered your ears and covered your eyes. Uh, it obviously uh, is difficult uh, for a mother to have to uh, see um, the final moments of her son's life played out and then shown and released to the public. Now that we know exactly what happened, um, it says a whole lot 
that for two years authorities lied to you and your family about what happened to your son? Yes, it's, uh, it's horrific. What we've been going through, the lies, how it all began, how it's been unfolding. Uh, the cover-up was obvious at the very beginning. It didn't take long for us to see that. But to be told that he died because of a car crash and the corruption and cover-up that came afterwards, two years long, it says a lot for us as a family. And to see that what happened to my son, it's really painful. Uh, when you talk about, um, again, initially being told he crashed into a tree, and then you actually find out what happened, I mean, that was a deliberate attempt uh, to lie to you and the family. Yes, we saw that. Uh, that was my first reaction when uh, the first uh, videos was made to us, uh, available to us last year, uh, September of last year. Uh, my, my initial reaction was uh, he wasn't going to get out of this alive. They got him from the very beginning. They made sure they maimed him while he was still behind the driver's wheel. Lee Merritt, um, now that, first of all, in the initial video that was released, it only actually came out because the Associated Press uh, fought to get it released. And then after the initial video, uh, then Louisiana, Louisiana State Police had no choice but to actually release all of the video. That's right, Roland. Um, this was something that we fought for to be released for two years. Well, the best they offered us was last September that we could come in and view the video with the uh, with state police present, but we could not take it home and analyze it. And we've learned so much more about, uh, you know, just the gratuitous nature of these officers' uh, attack uh, that that. We think that state charges are appropriate almost immediately, obviously. I mean, they're overdue. Speaking of that, uh, the officers involved, uh, did, it, did it actually get investigated? Did it, did it go to a grand jury? Was there, uh, what actually happened uh, in terms of the investigation of the actions of these officers? That's the really problematic part. The investigation itself seems a, seemed to be a part of the cover-up. So it's not that what these men were doing was unknown is that the supervisor that came, uh, Lieutenant John Clary, he was an active participant in this crime. And subsequently, uh, you can hear one of the officers who since passed away, Chris Hollinsworth, reporting what he did to another fellow officer, and that officer saying, hey, did you have your body cameras on at the time? This was a conspiracy uh, to cover up the murder of Ronald Green. It's now being played out in the open. Uh, Ms. Harden, on that particular point there, um... You know, it, it has to to anger you that now we see what the truth is, and nothing was done. I mean, there was no real investigation. And that's that's what it fires me up more than anything. The fact that I was lied to from the very beginning, two years of nothing but lies, up to this very moment, and the integrity of, of how and why they released the, the videos. Uh, that that speaks a lot. It's it's just horrific that they don't care how deep they they gab the family of Ronnie with with mockery, with lies, with with more conspiracy, just to cover themselves, protect them their own selves. It's uh, so I'm I'm confused here, Lee. Again, so did the state attorney general? 
Did the DA in that district? So what actually, so was, was there no investigation? So, so again, the investigation itself, anytime there's an officer-involved shooting in most jurisdictions, you, it has to be investigated by someone other than the entity that committed the shooting. But because this is the Louisiana State Police, the highest uh, law enforcement authority in the state of Louisiana, they investigated themselves. And internally, they decided that two officers should be punished for this attempted at a cover-up in this crime. One was Chris Hollingsworth, who would have been terminated, uh, uh, but he he died that he received his termination letter, and he was he was buried with all of the color guard honors. Uh, uh, and then uh, Christopher York, who received a 50-hour suspension for his role in, in the murder of Ronald Green. So now that the video is out, now there could actually be a real investigation. A grand jury can be impaneled. Uh, so, or, and also, who does that? Again, because this is the state police, who has jurisdiction, the local DA or the state attorney general? So, so it would be both and. The Union Parish uh, prosecutor, whose name is uh, Mr. Belton, would have to ask for the attorney general to help if he wanted his assistance. And the attorney general can offer his assistance based on the denial of, uh, of, of, of civil rights protections for Ronald Green. Uh, however, uh, the Mr. Belton met with us when we saw the video in September, and it was his position that it would be difficult under the past administration uh, to bring charges against a police officer in Union Parish. Um, situations have, have since... Hold on, hold on, one second. You said the past administration. What past administration? I'm sorry, under the Trump administration. Hold, okay, um, okay, I'm confused here. Why would a local DA say that when he has jurisdiction? It's not federal. The federal investigation is a totally separate investigation. So he has the local DA, Mr. Belton, he could actually take it to a grand jury himself. He could take it to a grand jury himself. What he was implying with that statement during the Trump administration was that he was in a heavily Trump-favorite territory. And he thought that the, uh, he, he doubted his ability to return a true bill on this crime in that jurisdiction at the time. But here's the deal. Okay, Trump lost, but that's probably still a heavily Trump district. So right. what now? Well, uh, there exists actual, beyond this just being a Trump district, there exists actual conflicts in this district. Uh, the officers who are, are involved on tape in this crime are testifying in other cases in Union Parish. And so it would be appropriate for either the attorney general or Mr. Belton to call for a special prosecutor, and that's what we're encouraging them to do in this case. Does that sound like a bunch of excuses to you, Ms. Harden? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. How can you tell me the first year it's still pending investigation, the second year it's still pending investigation? Even when we were there at the Capitol, seeing that little bit of footage, they were already planning the retirement of Colonel Reeves, and they were also planning the 50 hours suspended time, all bunch of bull, for uh, uh, Corey York. How do you tell me that it's pending investigation, but you're already getting these guys off scot free? How, how are we not knowing what's going on until it's done? Uh, th th that, to me, I think, uh, just really what is absolutely c confusing and crazy. You know, here. that's what I'm saying. They're making and breaking their own rules and regulations, their own so-called laws, just to get their good old boys off for murdering my son. That clearly shows on that video.
There's a Democratic governor in Louisiana, uh, Lee. What is he saying? Well, well, Governor John Bill Edwards, first, you need to know his pedigree. He met with us. We found the, the, uh, the meeting um, disingenuous at best. Uh, he wasn't completely honest about the, the level of cover-up and the crime that was committed against uh, Ronald Green. He wasn't. He didn't make this video available to us, although we believe that he could have done it. It was in his authority at the time. Uh, he chose not to. And, 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 and this is a man whose father it was a sheriff, whose grandfather was a sheriff. He just signed a Blue Lives Matter law in Louisiana, and he hasn't come down in favor of uh, the defense of citizens uh, against police officers. Okay, so the question now is, uh, what's next? We were down in Baytown, Texas, uh, for the rally for Pamela Turner, uh, for that particular officer, who tomorrow, uh, we wouldn't know when this trial is going to be set. We spent, we went down to Elizabeth City, North Carolina. So uh, uh, when it came to the Andrew Brown Jr., uh, are there plans to uh, call for a national rally there in Louisiana to put pressure on the local DA, on the attorney general, uh, on, on the on the governor to step up? What's uh, what's next, Lee and Ms. Harton? Three o'clock Thursday on the steps of the Capitol, the ACLU along with the NAACP has sided with this family uh, to demand uh, the immediate arrest of these officers. There's more than enough probable cause in the jurisdiction currently uh, to, to issue arrest warrants for Corey York, uh, for uh, Lieutenant John, um, say it again, Miss. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't hear you. Uh, uh, but certainly, uh, uh, Mr. Dakota DeMoss uh, and other officers who are seen on video committing crimes. And I'm sorry, she was probably saying Clary. It was Lieutenant Clary. Uh, that demand is taking place this this Thursday. Uh, the family will be there, so we're looking forward to anyone who wants to join us at three on the steps of the Capitol with the ACLU and the NAACP. Ms. Harden, what do you want folks across the country who are watching and listening uh, to, to do when it comes to uh, this case of your son? You know what? I'm just so disgusted. Anger, being pissed off, being all the freaking emotions that can come up in a mother whose son was killed in such a violent way, on purpose, just for the hell of it. And the thing is, why do we have to keep communicating like this. Why do we have to beg someone to put these guys in cuffs, jail them, do whatever you have to do, and, but you let these guys still be on the force, still patrol the streets of Louisiana for two years after they killed Ronnie to cause more damage. They, Ronnie's not my first, but not the world's first, and he won't be the last. He hasn't been the last. Why do we have to keep begging yeah. for the justice? Yeah. And these, it's, it's worth saying these officers went on to injure other citizens in Louisiana. Um, and one of the officers was indicted for uh, another criminal act shortly after uh, the murder of Ronald Green. How y'all filed a civil lawsuit against the county, against these officers, and against uh, the state police? We filed a civil lawsuit against all the parties involved from... Um, as you said, from the local level, each individual officer to the state of Louisiana, because this is the state police, uh, that, that lawsuit has survived a motion to dismiss, and it's up on interlocutory appeal in Fifth, uh, fifth Circuit. All right, then. Uh, Lee Merritt, uh, Ms. Hart, and we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining Bro, us. Thank you.
Thank uh, you. We certainly will keep the attention. Uh, Thursday, uh, we will be, uh, Lee, let us know who's streaming it. We're going to be actually, we'll be actually in Tulsa, uh, going from Fort Worth to Tulsa. Uh, but certainly we want to be able to uh, pick that stream up and be able to push it out to our folks as well. So be sure to let us know uh, what happens with that. Thank you so very much. Thank you, sir. Folks, we're going to go to uh, our panel here, Dr. Avis Jones, DeWeaver, uh, political analyst, Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, president, Emera Bennett, Bennett College, Omicongo, Dabinga, professorial lecturer, School of International Service at American University. Uh, glad to have all three of you. Um, McCong, I'm going to start with you. Uh, again, th this is, we hear the phrase pressure bust pipes. The reality is in order for black folks to get justice in this country, uh, we have to protest. We've got to push. We've got to prod. We've got to call people out. This is an example of what happens when you're in a deep red state, in a deep red county, where they clearly don't care about the life of an African-American, and they will readily accept the lies of police officers and then cover it up. And, and on top of that, as, as you were saying, we're literally married with a Democratic governor, and it doesn't even matter in, in a state like that. Our lies clearly don't matter. This is why every single day we have to continue to fight for the George Floyd police reform bill that, that people are all up in arms about relating to issues of qualified immunity. These are the officers we're supposed to trust. These are the people who are supposed to give the benefit of the doubt to. They lied to her, to, to, to Ms. Harden and her family for two years. And as Lee Merritt said, they've been talking about this for at least since last September. This is ridiculous. This is a cover-up ev at every level. If anyone did anything similar to this in any other type of profession, they would be in jail, in prison, in any way, shape, or form. We, as you said, we have to keep the fight up. We have to do all of everything that we've done probably just to get some form of arrest. That officer who, who died, whose family got all the benefits, they should, pro they should be lost. And I'm glad that we have a federal government now that's going to be putting up some other type of investigation into this right now because we cannot let up. I'm so glad you asked about the rally that's going to be happening on Thursday because they're going to get support from all across the globe. We cannot take our foot off the pedal right now because this family, like so many other families, deserve justice. And it's not going to happen until we make it happen. And that's just the reality, Avis. And I think, we, you know, look, it's just accepting that as a reality that we're going to have to keep forcing these people's hand. Uh, and what we saw here, again, this was an attempt to cover this up, just like the Laquan McDonald case. That's where, that's why I don't want to hear Jack from Rahm Emanuel. Um, you know, there's all this talk about he might be, become the ambassador to Japan for the Biden administration. Uh, what he did in that case is just, just shameful and despicable. Uh, he should never be in public service. No, he certainly should never be in public service. As far as I'm concerned, he's guilty of obstruction of justice. Uh, but as to this case, what to me is so completely infuriating about it is that they literally tortured, tortured that man to death. He was tortured to death, all the time uh, yelling expletives at him, uh, all the time uh, just sort of swarming him, kicking him, tasing him, uh, just completely battering him to death. And then uh, in the moment, they're thinking about, oh, my goodness, is the body cam on? Well, let's cut it off. And then after that, they go further by not only initially lying to his family, saying that he died in a car crash, but to continue the lie by attempting to cover it up for two full years. You know, the, and the real sad thing is, um, this is not an isolated incident. 
Uh, how many examples do we have to show where police reports or police accounting of situations don't really uh, match the facts once the video evidence comes out? This is a cultural problem with policing in America. It is not something that is isolated to any one department, and there needs to be writ large reform. The Justice and Policing Act needs to pass. That needs to be a start. But that's not the end of all that needs to happen in order to root all of this, and as far as I'm concerned, terroristic activity uh, in blue uh, off the face of the earth. You know, Julian, the, when you look at this particular case here and you look at what we saw, and I say this to people all the time, Body camera footage, dash cam footage is not the answer. It's not the panacea. But there is no doubt that the work of Black Lives Matter in the last uh, five to ten years has played a critical role in us seeing what is taking place. If the video did not exist, folks would be, would be believing the lies. In the case of Michael Slager, who killed Walter Scott, they lie on that police report. They lied. It, but luckily, it was a, it was a, passer, a passerby who recorded that particular shooting. This is why body camera footage must be required for every law enforcement agency. I don't care if it's city police officers, county sheriffs. I don't care if it's constables, school district uh, cops. I don't care if it's the state and the federal. Every agency should have body camera footage. And again, if they do not turn them on, they, that should means, mean immediate expulsion as a result. This is why those cameras matter. Well, you know, Roland, you have been the high priest of cameras in terms of your crazy-ass white people and any number of other things. The fact is that when you look at George Floyd, have that little girl, the 17-year-old child, had she not had the presence of mind to video that, we would be in the dark about what happened. And what I find interesting is I troll around the Internet listening to some of these uh, white people who still don't believe that the George Floyd Act is necessary. They say things like, well, if they had just complied. But when you look at this, this was such excessive force. I mean, such excessive and unnecessary force. You got the man down. You know, you... I mean, words escape me, and they rarely do. Well, they escape me when I look at this. But we are blessed in this era. I mean, we didn't have cameras in Tulsa. We didn't have cameras uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina. We didn't have cameras. We could call the roll of the times we did have it. We have them now. And these police officers who don't want to use their cameras, so this should be, like, guilty until we see the tape. So don't tell me you forgot to put your camera on. Uh, what They have all these excuses. No. This is a requirement, just like you carry your gun around as a requirement, just like you put your badge on as a requirement, put that camera on as a requirement. I just, uh, my heart goes out to Mrs. Harden uh, for uh, what she's had to endure, not just with the death of her son and the lies that surrounded it, but also with the fact that she is seeking justice and she has to see this and hear this time and again. She, you said she had her hands over her ears and her eyes closed, because this is hard to see. But we know how many thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of Black people have died the same way. So, uh, Brother uh, Domingo is right. We have to 
That George Floyd Act is the beginning. It's not the end. It's a first step. It's not the last step. These crazy cops need to be dismissed, period. If you have any involvement in something like this, see ya. You know, go work at 7-Eleven or someplace where, you know, you could get 15 an hour, maybe. But you do not deserve a pension. You do not deserve honors. You don't deserve anything when you're killing our people. Um, absolutely. Uh, folks, uh, we will continue to uh, cover this story and let you know exactly what takes place uh, with regards to it. Now, check this out. We'll stay in Louisiana, folks. This was caught on tape. A, prob a probation officer was captured on a security camera planning drugs leading to the arrest of a black man. Louisiana NAACP, guys, hold the video, hold the video. I, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, we're gonna see the video here and I'm gonna walk it through it. You're gonna see the graphics, okay? It is crazy. This is the video that was put out by the Louisiana NAACP. There's audio. Yes. I don't understand why this is called. Leave that up right there. Leave that up, folks. Uh, the NAACP wants this, uh, this probation officer fired. His name is Lane Norman, N-O-R-M-A-N-D. The email for his boss is Cole, C-O-L-E dot G-R-A-L-A-P-P at L-A dot gov dot G-O-V. His phone number, he's the regional administrator. His phone number is 318-767-767. 6286-318-767-6286. I'm going to repeat the email uh, because remember, the people who, who listen to our audio podcast, uh, the, the, the Louisiana NAACP, they want this Louisiana probation and parole, parole officer, Lane Norman, fired for planning drugs. His boss is Cole, C-O-L-E dot G-R-A-L-A-P-P at L-A dot G-O-V. His phone number is 318-767-6286. Julian, this man should absolutely be fired. This happened in 2018. It's a, why is he still on anybody's force? Two years later, I mean, the court dismissed the charges. He obviously is a rogue officer. Why is he still there? See, this complicity, this is complicity. So his boss and his boss's boss said, it's okay to plant drugs on people. These people outside just chilling, chillaxing, having themselves a good old time playing cards. And this person comes up, why? Does he get a premium or a bonus for having arrested more people? 
And why has it not been stopped? So, again, I'm speechless, but I'm not speechless. This is happening all over the country. It's happened year after year. Rold, I bet if anybody could fund a study to go to one of these Louisiana prisons and interview, you know, 200, 300, 500 people, probably half of their circumstances will be similar to these. Now, some of them did it. We know some of them did it. But all of them did not do it, and many of them had a prior record, and they were basically planted because if these folks don't get a bonus for messing with black people, they get psychic pleasure from doing it. And so these folks, and then they run around bragging about it. They tell each other, see what I did? You know, I did that. I could do that. So we really have to... Uh, that's why the George bill, Floyd bill is step one. But the national registry is so very important. But even more than that, these they say it's a rod, a rotten apple in the barrel. Mm-mm. The barrel is rotten and so are the apples. Get rid of all of them. Uh, absolutely. For, for this guy to still be in the job three years. I mean, for the judge, um, for the judge Avis to look at this video and to go, yeah, charges out and the guy's still employed. First of all, his boss should be asking, where the hell did you get drugs from? Hello. Yeah, that's that was drug possession. That's exactly what I was about to say. Not only should he not have a job, why isn't he in jail? Uh, if it's illegal for the person that he planted it on to have it, how is it legal for him to have it? Where's the prosecutor in this? So there are, there are several people who are complicit, uh, as Dr. Malvo pointed out, and who are allowing these activities to happen. I would also wonder who else was he a probation officer for? How many mm -hmm. times has he done this? Once again, are we supposed to actually believe that the only time there happened to be a videotape there was the first time that he's ever done that to somebody? I certainly don't believe it. So, you know, this is the very essence and the very definition of what systemic racism in the criminal justice system looks like. Because not only do you have black people largely targeted in this way, but also when there is just absolute 1,000% video evidence that the person was railroaded, just, you know, dropping those charges isn't enough when you allow the person who committed that act to stay in place. That, in essence, is telling him he did nothing wrong, so he might as well just continue doing it, and we're not going to look backwards to see all the other space, all the other people who he may have unjustly um, framed in the very same way uh, continue to still pay for a crime that they didn't commit. And, Omakongo, let's be, let's be clear. The only reason that brother is not sitting in prison is because the, his dad put a camera in his garage. And again, this is where black people are. Black people, we got to put cameras in our crib, in the garage. We got to put it in our cars to protect ourselves. If, if that daddy did not have this camera, his son is sitting in a, in a hardcore Louisiana prison for a minimum of 10 years. It's, it's ridiculous, and it goes to the story last week where, where you showed the officer urinating at, at a man's funeral home, a, a city council member on top of that. And again, we have to be responsible for recording our own information, sometimes even recording our own deaths. And I wouldn't be surprised if what Dr. Malvo said about some form of quota or kickback system that's going on with these officers. We remember the case a couple of years ago of the judge who was getting kickbacks for the number of people that he sent to prison. So that's not a far-fetched idea. 
idea that's going on. And another thing we have to be mindful of in that video, there were small children who watched this entire thing happen, who are being traumatized at a very young age, similar to what we saw with George Floyd when there was a nine-year-old there again. So they have these patterns that are going out to the entire community that are showing them that we don't care and we're going to put in your psyche that you are going to be pleased as you get older. And really, at the end of the day, this is what's even more tragic because we see it might even, it's going to continue after many of us are long and gone unless we continue to fight to make it stop. Uh, well, absolutely. And so, folks, uh, we certainly support the Louisiana NAACP. We're going to be pushing that information out as well so folks can see it uh, and they can actually respond to it. Folks, it's just absolutely crazy. Again, this brother, he was arrested. He was arrested. That man could very well be sitting in prison. And they were dropped. First of all, they were dropped three months later after the DA's office reviewed the footage of the, of the incident. But if his dad didn't have the camera, He'd be sitting there in jail. In Iowa, more than 5,000 people have signed a petition calling for Sioux City Police Officer Thad Boyer's removal from duty. The petition cites Boyer's history of repeated use of force incidents. Video of the aggressive officer pointing a taser and pinning a black customer to a table at a Perkins restaurant began circulating on social media last month. Watch this. The manager said she wants you out. Look at if 12. You don't leave right now, you're going to jail. I'm leaving. He ain't do nothing wrong, though. Hey, 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 hey. He sure did it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You're under arrest. Help me, you're under arrest. What am I under arrest for? He was leaving. Don't take my suit. He was leaving. Don't shoot me. He leaving. He said, yeah. Yeah. Just shoot me right there. You are under arrest. Put that chair down. Put that Put that taser down. He ain't done nothing to you. Hey, put that taser down. He ain't done nothing to you. He ain't done nothing to you. Put that taser down. Put that taser down. Hey, put that taser down. He ain't done nothing to you. He ain't done nothing to you. Hey, put your fucking taser down. Hey, put that taser down. Hey, put your taser down. Hold on, move. Put the cops on. And I want you to roll the video again. You're going to see what the officer tells him to get up and leave. Again, watch his... He's complying. Watch the beginning again. The manager said she wants you <laughs> out. Look at if 12. you don't leave right now, you're going to jail. I'm leaving. He ain't do nothing wrong, though. Hey, 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 hey. He sure did it. He ain't do nothing wrong. I'm leaving. 29-year-old John Wright is charged with trespassing, interference with official acts, and failure to comply with orders of a police officer. However, police are investigating the incident, and Boyer's actions are also under review. I, okay, Avis, the, the dude is literally walking away, about to put his jacket on. Cops decide, oh, I'm just going to grab you and forcibly remove you. So this is what happens when you have an entire police ecosystem. Uh, that is fueled with anti-black hate, aggression, uh, uh, pre pre predisposition to violence. Because that young man was just trying to leave. He was trying to comply. You know, this is this is why I really get annoyed with people who go around. And, you know, I, I understand that there is a need maybe for some of this. But I, I really get annoyed with people who go around, you know, trying to educate black people that the answer is to comply. He's, he was trying to comply. The answer is to stop having policemen who are out here terrorizing black people. 
And as we've said a gazillion times on this show, uh, there was an FBI report over a decade ago that talked about the fact that police departments across the country had been infused with white supremacists, and nothing has been done to root them out. You cannot make me believe that there is a lot of what we're seeing right now is a white supremacist wet dream. This is exactly what <laughs> they want. They want to have the power to use violence activity all the way up to beatings and deaths against black people and not have to have any consequences associated with it. And what better way to do that than to don a police uniform and get protected by the blue wall of silence that covers up your activities, that lies on police reports, that have prosecutors who don't want to prosecute, who have judges who look the other way, who have an entire system that says this sort of behavior is okay. But if there's one thing that made me feel good about that video, it was the fact that black people in that restaurant said, hell to the no, not today. Put that taser down. He hasn't done a damn thing to you. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to stand up for each other in the moment and not just lament the aftermath after one of our brothers or sisters had been victimized by police violence. Look at the charges here in Congo. Interference with official acts. Failure to comply with orders of a police officer. <laughs> this, see, this is how they try to target us. This is what they do right here. This is what, on a regular basis, and even when you brought up the case of Laquan McDonald with that officer, they, they come up, they put themselves in the line of some form of harm and then justify any of their actions. And even sometimes when we see these issues where an officer with other officers aren't looking, they'll say, oh, this person is resisting, or this person has a gun and there's nothing there, and they use it as an opportunity to open fire. These guys are liars. And if I'm correct, I believe Boyer was, was fired or heavily disciplined back in 2012, 2013, but again, back on the force again. And so these, these officers, they see this as an opportunity to really feel like they can get away with anything. And if you look at his record, they always put us on trial. When we're killed, when we're arrested for everything, they always put us on trial, put the victims on trial. But if you look at this man's record, this man's history of complaints, again, no one, another man, another officer who had no business still being on the force. And as it was just said, I'm so proud of our people for taking a stand. You know, back in the day, some people, you know, when I, when I was a kid growing up, when the cops came, you know, a lot of us would just scatter because we didn't want to be engaged. We didn't want to be involved in some way, shape, or form. But too many of us of all ages have had enough. And they said, we're going to document this. We're going to show it because we can't trust you to tell the truth. Uh, absolutely, folks. Let's go to Mississippi, where two police officers accused of brutalizing a black man resulting in his death are no longer facing charges. Hines County Judge mm -hmm. Faye Peterson says... The state failed to prove officers Desmond Barney and Lincoln Lampley committed criminal acts when arresting George Robinson. The indictment accused three officers of taking Robinson from his car, slamming him to the ground, and striking him in the head. The victim's brother says Robinson had a stroke before the incident, causing him to move slowly when officers asked him to get out of the car. Hines County DA Jody E. Owens II says the evidence was sufficient and he is surprised and disappointed by the judge's decision. A third officer involved in the incident has not yet gone to trial. This right here, show the video photo again, this was a black judge who ruled this. Mm.
uh, in Mississippi. So that's who Judge Faye Peterson is. Um, and this is one of those examples. I go back to uh, Omicongo, uh, Baltimore, when the police officers wanted a judge to hear their case and not a jury. Absolutely. And when we get down to it, we have to understand that we talked about Louisiana. We got Democrat, Republican members who are a part of this. We also realize as well that sometimes we got black people who are in law enforcement who are involved in, in being judges and the like, and we're, we're still not getting the justice. We have a real systemic problem that is hitting us at, at every level. Even when you talk about Baltimore, we can go back to the case of Freddie Gray. And there were, there were several uh, black officers who were involved in that as well. And so really, at the end of the day, it, it becomes black versus blue. And we have to realize that even in a case like this, we're talking about a man, 52-year-old grandfather a grandfather who has to be treated like that after dealing with all of the other racism we're sure he probably had to deal with his entire life just being a black man in America. And to, 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 to go out like that and then there to be no justice, we have to make sure that his story is never forgotten. And we have to make sure that there are other consequences, even when we don't get the, the justice we want from, the, from these judges and the like, we can, ex we can get justice by exposing these people, letting people know where they work. And if they're not going to have this national registry out yet, create our own so people know who these officers are. And we have to make sure we always put the pressure on to make sure that they do what's right. But they got to go. Indeed. Folks, in Minnesota, the former St. Paul police officer who led a police dog Maul, an unarmed black man, is going to spend the next six years in prison. In June 2016, Brett Palkowicz and other officers responded to a call about a large street fight and were looking for an unidentified black male with dreadlocks and a white T-shirt carrying a gun. 52-year-old Frank Amal Baker fit the description. Soon after Baker was asked to get out of his car, the officer released the dog. Body camera footage caught Packwood brutally kicking and severely injuring Baker while the dog was mauling him. Packwood which waived the right to appeal his conviction and offered a tearful apology for his actions to Baker and the St. Paul Police Department. Baker had nothing to do with the reported incident in the end. Watch this video, folks. Folks, what it was, again, this is critical. And see, this is the thing that I need people to get. Someone has posted on a YouTube channel. Bro, this is a lot. It is. It is a lot. Which is why every single person who's watching this show, every single person who's listening to this podcast should be picking that phone up and calling their United States Senator today and tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday saying, vote for the George Floyd Justice Act, get rid of qualified immunity. All these folks, and let me be real clear, I get black people who say, oh my God, black porn, don't show it, let the white folks show it. 
That's precisely why Amy, why, why Emmett Till's mother, mm-hmm. maybe Mobley said, no, 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 no. Open casket. Casket. Let them see what they did to my baby. Over the weekend, I had some people who were sitting here. Who te- one woman texted me. She tweeted, uh, I don't know who, I'm, who my member of Congress is, and I don't care. I said, oh, but you're bitching and moaning about how we need uh, bills passed in our favor. I had people over the weekend saying, well, I don't know why we got to sit here uh, and, and, and call people. It's called, it's your turn. Because black folks before your behind showed up did this. And I don't want to ever sit here and show these videos, Julian. But we got to keep it in the face because what did the Jews say? Never forget. Never forget. And said, never again. Exactly. You know, this this man gets six years. Six years. He need to get 26 years for allowing this man to be mauled. Every one of the cases that we've looked at today really do speak to the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act, but also speak to the historic dehumanization of black people. He would not have sick a dog on his son or his daddy. He would not have, um, and by the way, everybody brown ain't down. So Sister Girl in Mississippi needs to be taken to the woodshed too because everybody brown ain't down and too many of us make too many excuses. And anybody who doesn't know who their member of Congress is, uh, there's a special place in hell for them because that means they just don't care. But when you look at this case with this dog, such a light sentence for such a heinous act. And it was the wrong person at that. Would have made it right if it was the right person. It was the wrong person. And this guy has tears in his eyes. Well, he needs to have a dog in his booty. You know, he's, he's crying now. Well, cry after the dog chaws on you for 20 or 30 minutes. It's, it's, it, it's, it is too much at some level, but it's also time enough because we need to keep seeing this, hearing it, and working on it. I'm a Congo. Well, I understand what people talk about as it relates to black trauma porn, but what, what we're doing here is different. What we're doing here is these videos are being showed with calls to action, phone numbers, emails, letting people know what to do to make this stop. Some of these other networks may get some type of perverted pleasure in showing these videos on loop, but there's no ask, there's no call to action. Right here, we have an opportunity with every video that you show, with every mother and father and lawyer that you interview, you give us an opportunity to do something about it. And so for those folks on YouTube and other places saying this is too much, it's not going to be too much when it's you. And so right now, you have an opportunity right now to do something about it. And if you don't do anything about it, how are you going to expect it to stop? Like you said, Roland, you don't want to show these, but this is our world right now. This is where we're living right now. And whether you are a toddler, whether you are a teenager, whether you are a parent, whether you are a grandparent, male or female, it doesn't seem to matter. As Samuel Jackson said last year, it's open season on black people. And until you see it in your face, you're not going to be motivated to do anything about it. And if you still are not motivated to do something about it, I still pray it don't happen to you. But we're going to keep doing this work. And that's the thing right there, Avis. Uh, I guarantee the people who are complaining... Uh, you know what? If it was your son or daughter or niece or nephew or cousin, if it was you, I bet you'd be like, damn, I sure hope somebody uh, tells my story. I sure hope somebody shows that video. I sure hope somebody comes to my defense. I sure hope somebody has my back. That's why we do it. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I guess they believe that ignorance is bliss, but ignorance is bliss only lasts so long. I, I, what's important about showing um, what you're doing tonight is you're showing that this is not just one case. It seems like here in America, we focus on one case for a period of time, and then we stop looking at that one, and then we look at the next one. Then we stop looking at that one, and we look at the next one, as if it's only one incident at a time. What's important about what you're doing now is that you're showing a pattern. Yep. You're showing a pattern of practices of policing in this country. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how innocent you are. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at home, minding your own damn business, chilling with your children. It does not matter. This could happen to anybody. And what I, I want us to do as a people, we need to understand this is not supposed to be comfortable. It's not comfortable when you're being oppressed. It's not comfortable when you're being murdered. It's not comfortable when you're getting a dog sicked on you and telling you three different commands in the span of a second. Put your hands on the ground, don't move, roll over. He was supposed to do all of that in one second. If you listen to that tape, he got three different commands in like a second. That is the level of incompetence and evil. I will just use the word evil that has infused police departments across the country. So the least that you can do, the least that you can do is muster enough courage to face it and then act to do something about it. And part of that acting is not just knowing who your representatives are, it's voting. I want everybody to understand there is a direct line between what we're seeing here and who's sitting in the prosecutor's office and who voted them in office. Who's sitting on judges' benches and who voted them on those benches? You know, who's sitting in Congress and whether or not the George Ford Black Justice and Policing Act passes or gets stalled in the Senate? There's a straight line between that and the attacks on Black voting power in 43 states across the nation right now. They want to be able to do this to you forever. So my point is, let's stop trying to be so sensitive about this thing that we don't even want to see it and we just want to look the way. We do not have that luxury. I know I don't for my sons and you don't for yours or your children or even for yourself. Uh, and there's a, you're absolutely right. That's why we ran all these back to back to back to back to back so folks can actually understand uh, what's uh, going on. I mean, that, that's what people uh, don't understand. So, uh, you know, we're sitting here focusing on the issue. Now, folks in New York, Attorney General Letitia James introduces a broad police reform bill that would target law enforcement's use of deadly force. James announced the bill would amend New York's use of force law to an absolute last resort from one of simple necessity. Officers who use unnecessary force will face additional penalties under the new bill as well. In a statement, she explained her reasoning for the amendment. In New York, our laws have essentially given police blanket defense to use force in interactions with the public, making it exceedingly difficult for prosecutors to go after officers who have abused this power. The Police Accountability Act will make critical and necessary changes to the law, providing clear and legitimate standards for when the use of force is acceptable and enacting real consequences for when an officer crosses that line. We must continue to do everything in our power to protect our communities and ensure that no one is beyond the reach of justice. Now, folks, a group of House Democrats there concerned the provision ending qualified immunity for law enforcement officers would not be part of the final Judge Floyd Justice of Policing Act. As negotiations over the contentious bill intensify, House Representatives Ayanna Presley, Cory Bush, and eight other representatives sent a letter to leaders in the House and Senate urging them to keep qualified immunity in the bill. 
During an interview on MSNBC's The Sunday Show with Jonathan Capehart, Congresswoman Maxine Waters explained why it's so important to end qualified immunity. Our negotiators are fighting as hard as they can and should continue to fight. But I'm not giving up on qualified immunity. I do not want to send any message to anybody uh, that I'm willing to support uh, legislation that does not have it in it. I think we've got to be tough, we've got to be consistent, and understand uh, that we've got to hold police officers accountable. Even since the death of George Floyd, we've continued to have killings of black unarmed men in particular. And so these police officers know that they have the support of the police unions, they have the support of city council members who are intimidated uh, by the police unions, police chiefs who are afraid that if they don't go along, they can't be chief, and even some mayors. I'm so proud of those mayors that are willing to stand up and fight, and for the police chiefs that are willing to stand up and fight. But history tells us uh, that uh, they have been intimidated too long, given in too much, and the police don't believe that they're going to be held accountable. That's why even after George Floyd, they continue to kill. And so I want qualified immunity out. Now, of course, Congressman Jim Clyburn, the highest-ranking African-American in the House, he talked about, uh, he said he would rather have a, a strong bill instead of a perfect bill. So if it means ending not having qualified immunity in the bill, he said he would certainly support that, he said, and try to get it later. Congresswoman Waters said that's not an option. Uh, and so what you're dealing with, folks, right here, uh, Julian, is this battle. And so the question is, they're negotiating in the Senate. Uh, you're dealing with the issue, can you get Republicans' votes? It's clear uh, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin are not going to end the filibuster. And so this is one of the issues. They're working with Senator Tim Scott, Senator Lindsey Graham on this bill. The question is, will they be able to get a bill that can pick up Republican votes in the Senate that does indeed end qualified, qualified immunity? And the problem, Roland, is that uh, have, have a Congressman Clyburn having come out and said he would support a compromise before we've even had the full negotiations weakens, frankly, the Democratic position, weakens uh, Congresswoman Waters' position. And so, as, as we waffle, and this is what Democrats do, you see these Republicans, they, they vote party line, they're not playing, they will talk to you behind their, their colleagues' back and say, oh, I really didn't agree with that, but I have to go with the party line. Democrats don't have that kind of backbone. And so, my prediction is that qualified immunity will likely um, remain. I don't think it will go if we want a bill. And I'm with Congresswoman Waters. I mean, it's one of the things that must go. Every video you showed us leading up to this, to this point in the show talks about police officers who are deficient, to use Avis's word, who are evil, who broke the law, and they should not get... They, they should not have the right to their pension, the right to retire, the right to whatever. They need to go to jail. They need to have their assets stripped from them. They need to be put in a small room with a big dog and sharp teeth. That's all they really need. They do not need all this grace. But why are we, as Democrats, giving them that grace? On the Congo, on that point, um, many people have criticized Congressman Clyburn. Others have said that this was Clyburn uh, who was going public 
uh, to give an indication that it was that was it was contentious, uh, and being able to let people know that this is a possibility. How do you uh, how do you square uh, what he had to say than what Congresswoman Waters there had to say, and these other progressive Democrats who are saying qualified any qualified immunity any qualified immunity must be in the final bill. Well. Well, Representative Clyburn, you know, he's 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 such a, a, a veteran and a leader. And I definitely respect what he's saying in terms of, you know, he has something that's good and we can come back and get it later. And I respect that. The challenge, however, is that we are dealing with a different brand of Republicans right now. And I believe that even with Senator Scott and Graham working on this, regardless of whether qualified immunity is included or not, no Republicans are going to come out and support it. Something's going to happen. Trump's going to speak up. Someone's going to make some phone calls. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Graham backs out on their own bill that they agreed to. This group of Republicans are going to block everything in hopes of getting control of the House again in 2022. And so I respect what Clyburn's saying. He, he knows the process, you know, much better than I do, but it's a different brand of Republicans. And so I understand why Ayanna Presley and, and Cory Bush and others are fighting to get it in now, because there's no no reason to trust these Republicans to do the right thing. And so I'm with Representative Waters on this. So the question is this here, Avis. Do you, if you're Democrats, let's say you can't get 10 votes unless you strip qualified immunity out of the bill. Well, then, do you scutter the entire bill? Um, I, I would say this. I don't see why there, we really need to get here. Because as I recall... Tim Scott has at least offered a compromise that would have a form, it would really sort of redirect the focus, not to individual police officers, but to actual police departments, which I think is at least a compromise to mean that there is some financial culpability on the line when police officers act in abusive ways. I think that is a compromise that I'm not willing to give up on a chance of actually pushing through. So, you know, I'm really quite, with all due respect to, to uh, you know, Representative Clyburn, I, I'm just wondering, how come Democrats don't seem to understand what negotiations are all about? Why are you showing your hands while, you know, why are you capitulating, in essence, while the negotiations are still going on. That makes no sense to me. It's like showing your hand in the middle of a poker game. It makes absolutely zero sense to me. And, and I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't get it. So, so what we really need to understand is you don't go through a negotiation process giving the chip that you supposedly value most in the middle of the darn negotiations. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. I think you put pressure on them to move forward with what Tim Scott, a Republican, the only black Republican in the Senate, has proposed. What does it look like? And put pressure on the Republican Party to, in essence, undermine their black face that they just have give the rebuttal to the presidential address that President Biden just gave a couple of weeks ago. Make the, make the Republican Party say no to Tim Scott rather than telling Democrats to stand down and don't even try to do anything in the direction of qualified immunity. All right, folks, uh, got to go to uh, a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss economic justice in New Jersey. African-Americans are getting a short shrift and what is being done to rally the grassroots to ensure 
and we get our fair share. That's up next in our Where's Our Money segment. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. Racial injustice is a scourge on this nation, and the black community has felt it for generations. We have an obligation to do something about it. Whether it's canceling student debt, increasing the minimum wage, or investing in black-owned businesses, the black community deserves so much better. I'm Nina Turner, and I'm running for Congress to do something about it. When you study the music, yeah. you get black history by default. And so no, no other craft could carry as many words as rap music. I try to intertwine that and make that create the, whatever I'm supposed to send out to the universe. A rapper, it, you know, for the longest period of time had gone through phases. I love the word. I hate, I hate what it's become, you know, and, and to this generation, the way they visualize it. It's narrative kind of like has gotten away and spun away from, I guess, the ascension of black people. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett. Yo, it's your man Dion Cole from Blackish, and you watch Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay woke. Been frozen out. Facing an extinction level event. We don't fight this fight right now. You're not going to have black on. Folks in New Jersey, uh, African Americans have been mobilizing and organizing uh, to fight uh, lack of economic progress in that particular state. Um, you might remember us talking about uh, Jacob Waltauer, uh, who is, of course, uh, Blueprint Capital. He's the CEO of Blueprint Capital, filing a lawsuit against the state of New Jersey over pension funds, a lack of African-Americans uh, managing money in that particular state. Uh, they've been highly critical of New, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and Democrats who run that state by saying they're freezing African-Americans out. Well, Reverend Dr. David Jefferson, uh, he has partnered with other preachers and others in New Jersey to found the, the New Jersey Black Economic Justice Coalition. Over the last couple of months, I've actually participated in a couple of uh, uh, Zoom town halls uh, with them uh, to raise awareness uh, to this, and he joins us right now. Pastor Jefferson, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, for, for people who don't quite understand uh, what we're talking about here. New Jersey is a very democratic state. Uh, you have places like Newark and Camden and others where you have black leadership. But when you talk about the money, and it always comes down to the money, uh, black folks uh, are absolutely being left out of the economic prosperity in New Jersey. Absolutely, uh, Roland. And let me just say thank you, uh, man, for what you're doing, the attention that you're drawing to this, this issue. Uh, it is perhaps one of the most critical issues, Roland, in our country today. When you have, quote, 1% of individuals in this country, Roland, owning 99% of the wealth, you know right then and there that over the years we have had some inequities and lack of inclusion. All the way back to, if you read, where do we go from here, you know, uh, crisis or chaos. Dr. King talked about in that book an economic revolution 
that we needed to have in order to balance the playing field and level the playing field in this country. And I would have to say to you that when you look at New Jersey, we have the highest, one of the highest tax rates in this country. The disparity that exists between white and black folks in the state of New Jersey when it comes to average income, $9,000 average for a black family, $217,000 for a white family. Tell me, how do you make it in a state where the income or where the economy is some of the highest in the country? And I would submit to you that New Jersey is definitely struggling with this and we're causing people to come together. But Roland, I think the first thing we have to do, man, is educate the public. We gotta educate the public. We gotta equip people to engage in this revolution because at the end of the day, the next generation will be impacted significantly if we don't get some real grip around this issue. So, you know, the New Jersey Black Economic Justice Coalition has come together to not only shine light on this, but to put pressure on individuals that we have elected who are supposed to be with us in bringing about economic justice in the state of New Jersey. Now, right now, there look, every office holder in New Jersey is up for election. Um, what have y'all have been? What have y'all been doing to drive this point uh, in challenging them as they're trying to campaign for votes? Uh, how are you empowering uh, the, the the church members to have the information? What are the pastors challenging them with? And have you actually heard from officials uh, make any concessions or meet some of the demands? I would say that right now we're still in that that real getting the information out. We have articles that we put out. We've had op-eds that we put out. We've held to date at least four major town hall meetings where we can put it where the goats can get it. Most of the people can't even relate to the whole notion of disparity, where the money is going, and why African Americans are not getting their fair share. We put Phil Murphy into office with 94 to 95 percent of the black vote. That is the highest number of black votes any governor in the history of New Jersey have ever gotten. And this governor ran on a platform of economic fairness. So we have to educate black people that you have to make sure that when you vote, you are putting your vote where we can get an economic return and not that you just always vote Democrat. And we have to continue the grassroots effort in order to make sure our congregants understand that. And so we have another major town hall that is coming up the end of June, where we will have black preachers on there across the country. We're reaching out to Bishop T.D. Jakes. We're reaching out to Dr. Franklin Richardson, who had the Council of Churches, because we're going to bring black preachers together in a huge town hall along with their congregation so that our people who sit in the pew can really understand where their money is going and how they should really vote. If black people had not turned out to vote for Phil Murphy, we never, Phil Murphy would not be a governor today. And I would admit that I think we have that same situation with a number of people around this country. And by the way, let me just say, that this whole notion of the pension fund in the state of New Jersey is the same across the country. We only have a small percent of asset managers, black asset managers, who have a small piece. I think Robert said it's like one and a half to two percent across the entire country. So this is not just a New Jersey issue. 
This is a national issue for which we need to get our arms around. And in fact, uh, one of the uh, town halls that we did that we streamed, uh, John Rogers of Area Capital Management was, was on there. And this is what John had to say. Again, it comes back to us. You know, I tell people all the time that we wouldn't have lost the Ebony Jet Building here in Chicago if we had people working in major consumer products companies insisting that the advertising go to a black company like Ebony or Jet or Black Enterprise or WBO and radio, what have you. But we sit there and allow this to happen. And so, you know, I think you know, I know you know this, 17 years ago, we started a conference uh, called the Black Corporate Directors Conference with Charles Tribbett from Russell Reynolds. And the whole concept was started because I noticed that there were very few Leon Sullivans in the boardrooms of corporate America, people willing to speak out and make change. So the conference has grown from 30 directors to last year before COVID, we had 300 directors come together. And we've had everyone come and speak, you know, from, from uh, Barack Obama to Jamie Dimon to Ursula Burns to Don Thompson. Uh, we've had Magic Johnson, which has been an extraordinary uh, success story, the kind of speakers we get usually seven CEOs of giant companies. Uh, Robert's been there. Um, David Rubenstein's been there. It's just been a wonderful thing. But what we do every Friday night, we have what we call the conscience of the conference. Someone to remind us the responsibilities that we have to fight for economic justice once we're in the boardroom. So over the years, we've had Harry Belafonte. We've had Andy Young. Um, we've had Congressman Clyborne. We've had Reverend Sharpton. We've had Reverend Jackson. Sherilyn Eiffel, Valerie Jarrett, people who are committed to our community. They're going to be willing to show us how to fight for economic justice when in the boardroom. And that's always been the highlight of that conference. Again, having those folks who actually marched with Dr. King or believed in Dr. King's movement. And because too many of us directors get in that boardroom, we're just happy to be there to collect the checks, not make anyone uncomfortable, hope that nothing changes. But if we don't speak out, we're actually giving cover for the status quo to stay the same because the white CEO sits there and says, well, I've got a black director. They're not saying anything. Things must be okay. It gives yep. them an excuse to not fight for change. So again, I I, coming back to this is up to us to fight in that spirit of John Lewis and again, make good trouble. Point out. Hey, Jennifer. The thing right here, before I go to my panel uh, with questions for you, Patrick Jefferson, why, why we created this segment. And I've had some. I've had some black folks. It's amazing to me. Uh, say, you know, why y'all sitting here uh, begging white folk for money uh, on the advertising side? And I'm sitting there going, dumbass. 170 billion dollars is being spent every year, and black-owned media is getting one percent. And you're asking why will we demand that when we? are nearly 12% of the people who buy General Motors cars. We are we are 40% of the people who spend money at McDonald's. We are spending bill, million, billions of dollars at Target, uh, billions of dollars uh, at TJ Maxx, uh, billions of dollars with Apple uh, and with Samsung, and we can go on and on and on. And, for, and, and you are sitting here wondering why we should not be getting it back. This is why black America is broke. This is why our civil rights organizations really can't stand up for black folks fully because corporate America is funding them and we can't. This is why our HBCUs are underfunded because we also can't give back 
if we are dramatically able to, if we are able to increase dramatically uh, the, the, uh, the, the investment in, in black-owned companies, then we have the ability to also hire and pay wages and all of those different things. And so, hell yeah, we're going to be demanding this. And, and I have to say this. This is the same thing that Dr. King faced when he wrote the letters from the Birmingham jail. The letter that he wrote was centered around why we can't wait because you had individuals on the sideline who was saying that, hey, the timing is not now, and why are you creating all of this friction? What we have to do, Roland, is teach people to follow the money. Those advertising dollars that are being spent that are not coming to, quote, you know, black media, those dollars are going to, uh, to those places, and it's our people who are buying those goods and services. And so the question is, why shouldn't a percent of that money go to black media? The same thing is true as it relates to the pension fund. That money goes to major white Wall Street firms. Those Wall Street firms then engage in white, major white developers who come into our communities and therefore put things in place. And they get funded, by the way, by the state because the states in many instances match that okay, with certain credits, and the next thing you know, our people cannot afford what is put in place, and so what we're doing is gentrifying our own communities, and then we start hollering about why in the world can't our people afford that? And what we have to do is teach people to follow the money. And here's the other thing. We have to start turning the heat up and challenging people look like you and I to get oh, we, we were, what's, what's the audio issue, guys? I'm hearing this. Thank you. Go ahead, please. To, we, we have to challenge our black elected officials to come with us, get off the sidelines, and let's really get equipped to stand together to get our fair share. We cannot have people saying, I would get in, but I am afraid of what... I might get by way of retaliation. I'm afraid that I might not get funding for this. We have to help people to understand it's not just about them. It's about the next generation and the sacrifices that we have to make. That's the problem. The problem is, is that we do not have individuals who are willing to get in the fight. And we've got to encourage people to get in the fight and be willing to take the risk. Here's what I know. Risk and faith go together. And if we say that we're faith-based leaders, if we say that, quote, we really trust and believe in God, we got to take some risk. There's no way in the world you can have faith and don't take risk, and there's no way in the world you take risk and don't have faith. Those two things go together. And guess what? We have the power in the pew. And I honestly do believe Dr. Leon Sullivan really was able to do what he did because he had the backing of the congregation that he was with. I can go on and on with respect to ministers who have done this, and we have to rally the church. I am reaching out to all of our pastors, to all of our leaders, and basically saying to them, those elected officials come to our churches. They come to the places where they know the numbers are. Then why don't we go to where the numbers are? We, if we can help further other people's careers, we had to have those people then make sure that they are furthering the careers of black people. And we have not been successful in doing that. And I think the timing is absolutely now. 
And I thank you for drawing attention to the issue. And I, we're going to get more people involved. Robert Julian. Robert, data show that African Americans disproportionately work for municipalities, cities, states, the federal government. Uh, for black women, almost 20% of us have those kind of occupations. So those are our pension dollars that we're talking about, our pension yeah. dollars that, that are sitting there. So the question becomes, in terms of pension fund governance, are there opportunities for workers to participate in pension fund governance, or who is involved in the governance of pension funds in New Jersey? And is this a possibility for a uh, legislative fix to ensure that at least one pension fund worker is on the pension board? Absolutely. We have not had a person of color hired into that hierarchy in the last umpteen number of years. We haven't even had a black treasurer in the state of New Jersey since the inception of the entire state. And so we have not had black representation there, and people have not understood that. And you're absolutely right. I asked my congregants one Sunday, and we have three services. How many of you all have money in the pension fund? Close to 60% of the individuals raised their hand. Those individuals right now have no say, but they don't know that they don't have any say unless pastors like myself understand this economic picture and begin to educate them. Until we have people positioned like what you're talking about right now and people knowing that we make up a good 13, 14, 15% of this pension fund, you're talking about $80 billion pension fund in the state of New Jersey, one of the largest in the country. And we literally have no representation. We literally have no voice. And we literally have no input as to where that money is going. That is that is a crime. I mean, that is absolutely, and from my perspective, totally, totally unacceptable. And I would admit to you that I think a number of other states are the same way. Oh, yeah. Oma Congo? Uh, Reverend Jefferson, you make uh, a powerful argument for why we need to have more of our, our black leaders involved. And I really commend the work that you're doing with your church and, and other churches. And you also talked about the, the government's response. I'm wondering, in New Jersey, what is the response from the corporate entities, particularly in this post-George Floyd era where people have made more commitments to finances and diversity and they're like, have they been hostile to you or have they shown a commitment to work with you or are they just feigning ignorance right now? They have not been hostile, but they have also not worked with us yet. And we have something afoot to bring them to the table. Uh, you know, he, he, here's the real deal and here's what's going down. What is absolutely going down is this. We have individuals who are at the point of pain, but have no understanding as to how they can get out of where they are. And if you really think about this thing, there is nothing afoot right now to balance this thing. There's nothing afoot. We have to have some kind of legislation, and that's what we're going to put on the table of the governor. Before Phil Murphy get elected, we're going to make this issue so big. And Dr. King puts it very clear in his book. He says, you have to bring direct action in order to get relief. He said, the last thing that you want to do is protest, 
But you have to indeed draw attention to the fact that someone have their knee on your back or on your bag. And so what do we have to do? We got to bring about direct action. If we bring about no direct action, things are going to continue the way that they are right now. You know, we, we like to romanticize Dr. King. But my question is, how many of us are absolutely living the dream and bringing about some of the change that he talked about? You know, every birthday, every day, his assassination day, all over the country and all the networks, we're going to play that up. And guess what? We are still having a knee on the neck economically, and we are not moving this needle. But I would say to you that we're bringing about the pressure, and I really have to kind of give Roland some kudos here because, man, if you don't bring attention to it, I'm telling you right now, we'll never get the change that we absolutely need. Avis. Uh, you know, I think this issue is so incredibly important. And I think it's important that we understand as a community that we can be focused on more than one thing at the same time. It seems like in recent years, and understandably so, there has been a lot of focus, for example, on criminal justice issues and a lot of energy around protesting in that space. Uh, do you foresee an ability to sort of find some sort of hook, some sort of link that would energize uh, the black community around this uh, movement with anywhere near as much fervor as we're seeing in, in those more sort of um, just direct violence side types of cases where people are seeing the, a threat to their lives. How can we do a better job of emphasizing the importance of economics? Because I would argue that in many ways, that's killing us too. Man, you're so right. I mean, and, and, and here's the thing. First of all, thank you so much for asking the question. I think the challenge is exactly what Roland kind of positioned up front, and that is black people saying, why are you folks doing this? Why are you doing that? Um, it, it's almost like we have to beg for what is rightfully ours, when indeed we're spending huge dollars, whether it's in taxes, whether it's with companies, you name it, we are spending huge, huge dollars. I think that one of the places we have to focus is also on young people. When we even start to talk about this notion of forgiving, let's say, college debt for young people, do you know how important that is? And I think that we've allowed then the Democratic Party to start moving away from that, when really, do you not know that if that debt is forgiven, that's a mortgage for a ton of our young people? When you're coming out of school economically a slave, I mean, and I use, you know, slave in terms of in debt. When you're coming out of school with that kind of debt, do you know how long it takes to get any kind of equity, to get any kind of investment? So, so I think we have to also focus on young people and put some attention on those places where they have enormous interest and try to build it with them as well. And I also think that we just got to, I think we got to hold people accountable. You know, I just, I just think that we got to lean in and um, we, 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 we just got to stay at it. I don't think there is an easy solution here. As our coach at Grambling State University, and I'm wearing my Grambling cap, used to say, as Coach Rob used to say, it's five yards in a cloud of dust. We're going to have to grind it out and we're going to have to get it on social media because in many instances, the main media might not carry the story. But guess what? We got a Roland Martin unfiltered man. Thank God for that, because we're going to get it out in any way we have to. 
in order to make sure that we draw attention to this issue. We're going to have another major town hall. And for the first time in a long time, we're going to have a huge economic justice rally that I've already gotten a ton of the civil rights folks, a ton of pastors. We're going to have a huge, huge economic justice rally in the city of Newark, New Jersey, bringing people from all over the country so that we can put some real media, some real attention, and some real focus on this issue. This is the future of our community. If we don't win this, I gotta tell you, it's gonna be a long time before we get any equity in the country. Absolutely, so be sure to let us know when that's gonna take place. Uh, because certainly we'll be interested uh, in live streaming it. Folks need to be fully aware of it. So, uh, Pastor David Jefferson, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, New Jersey Black Economic Justice. Go to, first of all, go to uh, njbej.com, folks, njbej.com, uh, for more information on what they're doing there in New Jersey. Uh, folks, we're talking about billions, billions of dollars Billion. that we don't Billion. get. That's what, what the whole be. issue is. What a B, Roland. What a B. All right. <laughs> Pastor, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Let me actually also speak to that real quick, folks. Um, you, no, no, pull up, pull up what you see there on uh, lower third there. So you see, you, you might you might have seen folks at the bottom there. We actually had um, we actually had uh, lower thirds there. So you see, where's our money? A little bit earlier, we had an ad that was running that for Nina Turner. If y'all can go ahead and put that up, uh, that'd be great. Um, and what's been very interesting, I've had people who have been commenting on social media. Uh, how dare you? How dare you post uh, a video of her on your Twitter feed and on your uh, Instagram feed and on your Facebook page? I said it's called paid advertising. I said, now here's what I find to be curious. I said, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, Every local television station, every radio station, newspapers, magazines, podcasts, websites, they all do political advertising. But when black-owned media does it, folk like, oh, what you doing? Then they have people who will say, well, uh, 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 would you take advertising from her opponent? Yeah. All you got to do is call. <laughs> See... What I need people watching to understand is that it's amazing the standard that folk have for black media they don't have for white media. It's amazing when they tell us what we can and cannot do and should and should not do, but don't say nothing when they do. How do y'all think you, we stay on the air? How do y'all think we go to Fort Worth on Wednesday to broadcast a, uh, a parking lot rally uh, with different peoples who's trying to become the first black mayor of Fort Worth? How y'all think the, the airline tickets get paid for? And the hotel rooms? And the driver? And the security? And my production people? And then we're going to go to Tulsa on Thursday and be there uh, for six days. H how do you think the stuff get paid for? So, so I wish some of y'all would stop sitting here saying what black media, what we can and cannot do, when y'all don't say nothing when billions are being spent with white media. And all of a sudden, we get some political advertising, and, oh, man, uh, you selling out all that nonsense. And most of the folk who doing that, they ain't even joining our Brain the Funk fan club. Ain't, they ain't giving a dime, and all they're doing is commenting and watching for free. 
If y'all want to support what we do, please support us. If joining our Bring the Funk fan club, every dollar you give goes to support this show. Uh, cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Uh, and Zell is rolling at rollingusmartin.com. Uh, folks, if you give on YouTube, don't forget, we only get 55 cents of every dollar you give there. So if you give us to us direct, then we get the full 100%. So we certainly appreciate that. Folks, uh, next month, New York City is going to have their mayoral election. Uh, and it's a whole bunch of folks in the race. We've had several candidates on already. Uh, our next uh, guest, uh, who is running for mayor, is served as a, as a city as a police officer. And now he wants to be the next mayor of that city. He's running neck and neck in the polls with uh, Andrew Yang. Eric Adams joins us right now on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Glad to have you back uh, on. You were on before. Uh, Bureau President, uh, 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 Borough president there uh, so in good. Brooklyn. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. How, first of all, how is it going? You look, you're broadcasting from a car, so clearly you must be on the road out there uh, trying to make it happen. First of all, I, I just love your unfiltered show, you know, because we need real talk right now. And let me just plant a seed, Brother Roland, which is crucial. Uh, my campaign is in the philosophy, philosophy and theory of Archbishop Desmond Tutu. We spend a lifetime pulling people out of the river. No one goes upstream and prevent them from falling in in the first place. All over the country, New York included, all we do is pull people out of the river of crime, homelessness, lack of education, uh, all those issues we're seeing. There's no desire to stop folks from falling in the river because we have profitized and made money out of pulling people out of the river. And that's the difference between Eric Adams and everyone else that is running. What is your core message to African-Americans in this city? Why should uh, they and others be voting for you to be the next mayor of New York City? It's about ending inequalities, and those inequalities are created based on agencies within our cities. And I, this is not a just a New York issue that I'm fighting for. It's a national issue. I'm going to get it right in New York, and it's going to cascade across the entire country. Cities are made up of agencies, and our agencies are creating the inequities and really the injustices throughout this entire country. Just look at the fact in New York City, 65% of black and brown children are not educated, don't meet proficiency every year. If you don't educate, you will incarcerate. 80% of the men and women at Rikers Island, our jail, don't have a high school diploma or equivalency diploma. I know how to take our city upstream. And I'm not just a cop. I was arrested by police officers and brutalized and civil rights leaders asked me to go into police to, policing to fight from within. I started 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement Who Care, and I was a civil rights leader in the police department and led the reform that you're seeing across this entire country right now. So when we, you talk about uh, economics, um, look, um, New York, uh, Wall Street, uh, capital there as well. When you talk about uh, African-Americans, uh, businesses, uh, there are some that do well, but the bottom line is there's so many people who are being left out. How are you going to make sure that every city department, that those dollars that are flowing, the billions of dollars uh, in that city, uh, go, uh, don't just go to folks who don't look like you and I? Well, let's be clear. Let's first start with the dollars that are coming from taxpayer dollars. We spend $22.5 billion a year in goods and service and procurements. Yet, much of those dollars are leaving the city 
and we don't see it recycled in our small businesses. I'm going to turn that game around. Number one, I'm going to hire a chief diversity officer when I walk into City Hall. Number two, I am telling all of my procurement officers in every agency, you ought to hand in your letter of res resignation, and I will make the determination if I'm going to move on that. Number three, which is extremely important, that's not being done in New York at all, I'm going to put in place a real-time system where we can monitor our agencies in real time of how are you reaching the goals that I set up for you and procurements of goods and services, and we're going to zero in on those communities that were hardest hit by COVID virus. We will meet, reach our numbers. We will judge them uh, monthly. And if you're not reaching the numbers that I expect of you, I'm going to move on that letter of resignation and put a person in that understands the mission that Mayor Adams has set out for our city. Um, one of the issues that also comes up, education. A uh, lot of drama that took place. A uh, lot of folks upset with these, um, with these high-end um, or, or you know, tough to get into schools that have seen significant drop uh, in black enrollment. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio waded into that. We had him on this show, and people were not happy with him at all. Uh, you have a new uh, head of schools there uh, as well. Um, you also have folks, uh, you have parents who are clamoring for more charter schools. Albany is saying, nope, we're going to put a cap on it. So, education. Uh, what is your education plan for New York City? Hey, brother, thanks so much for that, Roland. Let me tell you something. We get caught up in the conversation and not the education. Adults are battling over something while children and babies are failing all the time. Education is wrong in New York City and across America. I sat down on my campaign trail. I met with pediatricians and neurologists. We, we're so busy looking at what children learn and not how they learn. The first classroom is in a mother's womb. If that mother's not receiving the right folic acid, iron, iodine, the right nutrition, that baby, baby could be born with irreversible learning disabilities in some cases. Not all, but some cases. So what is Eric Adams going to do in education? I'm going to focus on every mother having a doula so they can understand the first thousand days of life, how it impacts on brain development. Then I'm going to make sure that we bring back the joy of learning into our schools. Children can't be just academically smart. They must be emotionally intelligent and well-rounded, their full personhood. We're going to connect our careers with the curriculum. And I'm not focusing on just those eight schools that you were talking about. Those are the specialized high schools. Eight uh, schools, we spend 90% of our energy in, on those eight schools instead of looking at the over 500 schools that are failing our children every day. I told you the number. 65% of our children don't meet pro proficiency, black and brown children. 30% uh, of the men and women who are incarcerated right now, Roland, are dyslexic. So why aren't we doing dyslexia, dyslexia screening? 55% have a learning disability. Why aren't we doing a, a learning disabilities identification to give the support to parents so they don't end up incarcerated? Because we are downstream. I'm going to take my educational system upstream, everything from nutritional-based healthy food to learning how, the skills they need, to leaning into vocational training, pathway to uh, college. We need to change how we are uh, educating our children. Right now, we're just, just schooling and not educating. Extended school hours. 
a universal tutorial for every child that needs it, uh, looking at our summer months so we don't have to summer slide. We're doing the wrong education because we're still following an agrarian cal calendar and an outdated method that is not prepared for the deep into the 21st century. Uh, well, look, uh, we certainly uh, look forward to uh, see what happens uh, in this race. Uh, I know you have to go. Uh, we certainly uh, appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, and look forward to, to having you back on the show. Thank you. Take care, Roland. All Stay right, unfilthy. Yes, sir. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> Take care. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. Uh, that was, again, Eric Adams running for the mayor of New York City. Hey, uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the other candidates, uh, Maya Wiley, I've been trying to reach you. Uh, Andrew Yang, we've been trying to reach you. Uh, let's see, uh, Scott Stringer. Um, who are some of the other folks, uh, some of the top cannons? We've been trying to reach all of them. Uh, we ain't heard from none of them. Hitting y'all on Twitter, DMing, calling. So, uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Y'all might want to holler back. Uh, and, uh, same thing here, uh, Nancy, speaking of Nancy Pelosi, we've been trying to get you on for a year. It's amazing how you ain't got you ain't got no time for us. But Chuck Schumer been on four times in the last year. Every major Democratic presidential candidate been on. The previous head and the new head of the Democrat National Committee has been on. The old head of the DNC has been on. Numerous U.S. senators have been on, members of Congress. Why is it that Speaker Nancy Pelosi don't do black media? Huh? It's interesting. Just saying. I don't know what Nancy's scared about. I ain't gonna bite. But it's amazing you got lots of time for CNN, MSNBC, but you can't come talk to black media. So, Eric Adams, I certainly appreciate uh, you talking with us. Uh, folks, Don Winslow put this video together. He sent it to me, uh, and I want to go ahead and show this video. Uh, no, that's, that's it. Y'all should have it over there. Uh, he put this video together to show you uh, Republicans uh, in this whole thing, y'all, when it comes to January 6th. Now, all of a sudden, they are, they are saying they're going to filibuster. They're going to filibuster, y'all, the creation of the January 6th commission. Do y'all see? They're going to filibuster. Do y'all know how unbelievably stupid this is? Do y'all you know, know how ridiculous it is uh, that, that, that what they're doing? And, and I saw an uh, item the other day. Uh, I, I got a kick out of this one, uh, Avis. Uh, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is angry and upset. Upset that Republicans uh, are sitting here um, threatening to uh, filibuster. Huh. Really? Really? Is that what... Is that what... Uh, uh, is, is Oh, what y'all doing? Is that what we're doing now? So th this is the actually this is the new video uh, 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 that J that Don Winslow put together. I'm gonna go ahead and play it. Uh, control room, I got it. Uh, that I, I thought was pretty funny, y'all. Uh, watch this. Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. Let's review. This is a dog. This is a cat. And this is a domestic. Terrorist attack. Any questions? Mitch? So, <laughs> I mean, the, now check this out, y'all. I got to pull this up. So, if you want to hear a fool, Roy Blunt of uh, Missouri, 
Uh, Roy Blunt, Missouri, is on Fox News uh, with Chris Wallace on this Sunday. And if y'all want to hear something that, that is some of the most utterly ridiculous and shameful thing in the world, y'all got to listen to what this fool had to say when it comes to uh, why uh, we should not be pursuing uh, a, a commission. I mean, I, it, it's, it's hard for me, y'all. It's hard for me to take these people seriously uh, when they say uh, some of the most uh, idiotic stuff uh, you've ever heard. But, but, but this one really, really and truly uh, got me going when, when my man was sitting. <laughs> Y'all, he literally laid out and offered up that, well, you know, um, j j just go ahead and play it. Are you that you're going to be able to block the creation of this commission in the Senate? Well, I think it's too early to create a commission, and uh, I, I believe Republicans in the Senate will decide that it's too early to, to create that commission. You know, commissions often don't work at all, and when they do work, like the Simpson-Bowles Commission produced a good result, uh, nothing happened as, a, as part of that result. The one commission that we generally think did work was the 9-11 Commission, Chris. I think that was, I was part of putting that commission together. I think it was 14 months after 9-11, after all kinds of other information was out there for that commission to look at, uh, before that commission got started. You keep talking about the 9-11 Commission, the, the two chairs of the 9-11 Commission, one Republican, one Democrat, they put out a statement this week, and, and here's what they said. They support creation of this panel, saying unity of purpose was key to the effectiveness of the group, the 9-11 Commission. We put country above party without bias. Uh, I, you know, I don't think many people or anybody is saying that your committees can't do their work. The question is whether the uh, a commission, an independent commission, no members of Congress could, ser could serve a useful function. And as you say, it may be a year from now before they come out. Can you honestly say in opposing this commission, down, coming out down the line, that you're putting country above party? Well, I, I think, first of all, I think I said a minute ago, what happened 9-11? Obviously, I meant what happened January 6th. Those are clearly, uh, in my time in, in the Congress, the two seminal moments where the, con where the, the, the country, the capital uh, city itself, under an attack that we wouldn't have anticipated. Uh, but I, I do think that the 9-11 Commission had a lot more information available to it uh, when it started than this one would have. Uh, and we made a lot of decisions before the 9-11 Commission started that were important to further secure the Capitol, to further look at our intelligence failures. Right. We need to be doing all of those things. Uh, we'll see what my colleagues think, but there's been very little bipartisan discussion between the House and Senate on this topic. So Republican Senator Roy Blunt's response oh, that, as to why... I, that, I, I'm really laughing. I'm really laughing, uh, Avis. <laughs> Because it's too soon. It's, it's too soon. What, was it too soon for all those Benghazi committees? Nope. Apparently not. Uh, you know, it is, it's just one excuse after another excuse. The next thing you know, they're going to say, my dog ate my homework. It, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, what's happening right here is that 
They don't want an investigation to show how deep the rabbit hole goes for a couple of different reasons. They don't want uh, Beelzebub uh, in Florida to be mad at them. Uh, they don't want his crazy ass minions uh, to be mad at them. Uh, they also don't want um, their colleagues who are sitting right in Congress right now, who I believe colluded with a lot of these organizers to make this thing happen. We've already heard reports about it look like some of the insurrectionists, some of the people who were trying to uh, have a violent coup against our government, were given a tour the day before when there weren't supposed to be anyone in the building, not to mention what was going on with Ted Cruz and others uh, at the time, where, which it seemed like there was coordinated activity, including elected officials right now, that are there right now. Uh, all of this happening right before the midterm elections is something that the Republicans want to avoid at all costs. So clearly, here's here's the deal. This this party has has is not a party that gives a damn about this country. Uh, it's a party that compare that only cares about power, power at all costs, absolute power, power uh, no matter what happens to anyone. Damn the policeman who got killed or pummeled and injured. Uh, specifically, you know, in the in the light of people who, under any other circumstances, would be talking about how much blue lives matter. And so, you know, what what we're seeing here is just the same old thing, where Republicans are trying to divert attention away from truth uncovering activity, so that their uh, coup uh, approaching or, or affirming and uh, behavior uh, can be sort of. Um, can, can continue to go on in the dark as they continue to do anything that they can, anything that they can do in order to hold on to power. That, that's that's the whole deal. And this whole idea of, hold oh, no, on, there's so much more that, that we got to wait, we can learn more. Um, McCongo, isn't that the, the point of a commission? <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. And, and what's ridiculous about what Blunt was saying was that, well, the, the commissions didn't really accomplish much and they didn't really make any real changes. Well, then you make sure that this commission has the power to implement the changes that didn't happen with the report that came from the 9-11 commission. Look, at the end of the day, we have Capitol Police officers who still have to protect these guys who have issued statements saying this needs to be studied, who are being re-traumatized by re these Republicans who are out there denying what actually happened to them. We're talking about police officers, as Dr. Weaver said, who were, who were killed, but others who had parts of their fingers cut off, eyes gouged out and the like. They're not getting any respect from these Republicans. And look, we understand that these guys were engaged and they're scared. And it was James Carville who said, we need to keep this in the front lines of the media every single day coming up into the midterms. And they're also scared of that. Look, these guys have never been about Blue Lives Matter. They've always been about retaining power. And we know that there were so many of them who are involved in this, and they don't want that story to come out. And yet this is another reason why the filibuster have to, has to end. We had a Confederate flag flown in our capital. Enough should be said right there. <laughs> Julian. You know, these people want... There were witnesses to what happened on January 6th. They were there in the Capitol building. Their lives were threatened. These police officers were protecting their monkey behinds um, to their own detriment. And for them now to say, oh, gee, nothing happened or wasn't that bad or we can wait. No, we can't wait. This was one of the most horrible violations of our capital. And it was race. It was fueled by race. 
uh, as Obakongo said, with a Confederate flag waving, but with a black police officer uh, being threatened, use the N-word some 15 times towards him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the senator from Missouri has never been a bastion of brilliance. Uh, it, quite the opposite. And so we're not surprised by anything that comes out of his mouth. But what we need to be doing is saying, this has to be studied. If uh, Nancy Pelosi, who won't come on your show, but she should, but if Pelosi has to do it as a Democratic thing, then let's do it that way. But this must be studied. We must get to the bottom of it. Names must be called. There are members of Congress. Hello, Marjorie Taylor Greene. There are members of Congress who are complicit in this, and we know that they are, and that needs to come out. Absolutely. All right, folks, I got to go to a break. When we come back, uh, new music uh, with, by Hezekiah Walker, as well as uh, his uh, collaborator uh, in the music, Jason Claiborne. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Hello, I'm Nina Turner. My grandmother used to say, all you need in life are three bones. The wishbone to keep you dreaming, the jawbone to help you speak truth to power, and the backbone to keep you standing through it all. I'm running for Congress because you deserve a leader who will stand up fearlessly on your behalf. Together, we will deliver Medicare for all. Good jobs that pay a living wage and bold justice reform. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message. When you study the music, yeah. you get black history by default. And so no, no other craft could carry as many words as rap music. I try to intertwine that and make that create the, whatever I'm supposed to send out to the universe. A rapper, it, you know, for the longest period of time had gone through phases. I love the word. I hate, I hate what it's become, you know, and, and to this generation, the way they visualize it. It's narrative kind of like has gotten away and spun away from, I guess, the ascension of black people. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. All right, folks, here's Kai Walker and Jason Claiborne are teaming up for the re-release of the hit song, You're All I Need. Joining us right now, uh, Jason. Jason, what's up? What's going on, man? How are you? Doing great. What caused y'all to say, you know what, let's just drop it again. Well, you know what's crazy? I wrote the song about 15 years ago, and I was just like, man, it'd be cool to feature Bishop back on a song that I wrote for him. You know, we had a big hit with Better. I wrote Better for him as well. Um, and, uh, man, I, I, I just was like, I got signed right before the pandemic and had to sit. And I was like, man, well, what, what better way to put out an anthem that we had together that Bishop made popular? and put it out and re-release it on my album. Um, and so, uh, now, you, now you're doing that. Uh, is it a little different? Did y'all uh, uh, change oh, up a little bit? Well, you know, yeah, you know, we put a little, we put a little, you know, I put the little young youth, youthful feel on it, young adult feel on it, and put, you know, still same message, still same vibe, where everybody can uh, sing it in churches and all of that good stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, Bishop came and put his, put his, Put his stank on it like he always does, man. And I'm just grateful um, to for him to be a part of the song. We actually have a music video that's dropping on Sunday, May the 30th, as well, to the song. 
All right, then. Well, that was, was, sounds interesting there. Uh, anyone else uh, on this on this new album that the folks want to check out? Yes, um, uh, Michael Lampkin, who is um, an incredible singer out of St. Louis, was on Sunday's Best. Um, I have a lot of new people that I wanted to, you know, um, bring on uh, to this game, to this music game and to this gospel world. Um, I've written songs for so many different artists that I've been behind the scenes all this time. And God is now uh, starting to bring me out to the forefront. I've written for Ricky Dillard and, and Vashon Mitchell and a whole lot of other artists. And I'm just glad uh, that now I'm dropping my album, Jason Claiborne and the Atmosphere Changes. God made it beautiful. And you can get your all I need on this record right now. All right. Well, I, I certainly can't uh, wait to hear that. Uh, looking forward to, uh, to receiving a copy. Uh, this uh, All I Need remix. When is the album out? So the album drops this Friday, 528. Um, you get the full record, 13 songs. If you're looking for that God's Property, um, Natalie Wilson, Sounds of Praise vibe from back in the 90s, that's the sound that we're bringing you on this album. 13 songs, no skips. It's a song on there for every generation, uh, from the from the young people all the way to the senior citizen. We got something on there for everybody. All right. Jason Kleber, man, we appreciate it. Looking forward to, uh, to checking it out. And Bishop told me he's going to call you. All right. Tell him, tell him, hit a brother up. <laughs> yeah, he said he's going to hit you up. <laughs> All right. Jason Kleber, and I appreciate that. All I need a remix uh, and the album's out on Friday. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Folks, there's nothing like a good old family reunion, but what happens if they choose to stay? That's the basis of Netflix's comedy family reunion. I caught up with the show's stars, Loretta Devine, Anthony Alabi, and Tia Maori. Hi. How are we doing? Glad to see Ooh. all of you. Uh, it's, it's always great. Uh, wish it was in person, but it's all virtual. Uh, and so we don't have much time, but I, but I got to get started. And I'm sorry, y'all, but I got to start with Houston first. I'm born and raised in H-Town. Jack Gates graduate. Hi. So I got to start. I got I got to start with Loretta. Loretta, how you? Plus, I'm an alpha. She's an yeah. AKA, so we got. <laughs> how are you? It's so great to see you. you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, let's get right to it. I, I grew up in Houston. Huge family. My grand, my grandparents. We, uh, we went to the same church. So every Sunday, it was literally thirty to fifty people at their house every single Sunday. And so. Uh, what I really love about this particular show is the family dynamic. We didn't have a situation where kids went into the room and adults were over here. We were always all together. Loretta, talk about why that's important to show that uh, and deal with the stuff that families have to deal with. Well, I think it's a, to be able to look inside a home is, is in, extremely important now. There's so many things that people don't know about black families and how we love each other and how we give and take with each other. And this is a, a great example with them moving back into my house and, and with all their kids and then deciding to stay forever and us being based in a Baptist church and Miss Teal's character is, I don't know what she doing raising these children without even whooping them. I mean, it's like, we need to break, <laughs> we need to get it all together. So. Everything you can think of, good and bad, happens in this family, and we share it with everybody, and we do it with love, which is the great thing. <clears throat> T, what's wrong with you? Because I ain't got no problem whipping the behind of a kid. Act a fool. <laughs> in fact, you in my family, you ain't even got to be somebody's kid. 
Every <laughs> uncle had oh, the I right know. to jack a kid up. Listen, listen. My mother whooped my behind, okay? So anyway, my point is, is that I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to rebel and just do something different. I was like, okay, this is the traditional way of doing things. My grandmother whooped my mother. My mother now whooped us. And I was like, let me just try, let me just try something different. Great I mean, and, you know, Loretta may, Loretta may think differently, but so far things are, things, <laughs> things are going well. You know, you know, I'm thing. also, wait. Loretta, you know what it is? I'm also a psych major. So I, you know, I, I studied growth and child development and I've just learned other options. <laughs> help me, Anthony. Help me, Anthony. Uh, yeah, yeah, Anthony. You know, yeah. Uh, I was whooped. You know, my mom was Puerto Rican and my dad's Nigerian. So I got, I definitely got whooped. Uh, I don't, I personally, my kids are four and two. So like, yeah, they're little, right? Tia, you have little kids. So we don't know. I'm sure once they turn 15, 16, it's going to be a lot easier to just like smack them. Right? Like, too late. Like, you know, 15. Do early. You got to do it early. You can't wait till you, 15. You, go, you wait till 15. 15, way too late. Are we filming this? Because this seems like an episode of Family Reunion, right? Oh, 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 oh again, again, look, my mama had seven brothers and sisters, yeah. 42 grandkids, about 80 plus great grand. Trust me, kids got jacked up. But, <laughs> but, I, but also, also what I appreciate, and granted, some people are like, oh my God, y'all talking about whooping. But, but the other piece is we, we dealt with stuff. We dealt with religion. We, mm. we used to have these debates. And when you were a kid, if you wanted to jump into the debate, the adults let you, but you didn't get treated like a kid. So if your smoke. points were stupid and idiotic, you got smacked with your <laughs> verbally with your points. So if you couldn't debate, don't step in here. Uh, Loretta, uh, talk about, again, that, that importance of, uh, of the, the conversations between family members together as opposed to kids, adults, everybody's separate, going your own way. Yeah, there was no separation. And the, the families were always loud. I mean, families, if you were in a really good loving family, you had that volume. You could hear them, no, but this is my point, but this is my point, but this is how I feel. And I mean, everybody that could get in the conversation and hold their own, it was worth coming over for the food. See, <laughs> Tia. See, Tia, uh, when I was on CNN for six years, people say, man, you go hard on TV. I said, that ain't nothing. If you can survive the Lamont family debates, that's light work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, but that, I mean, you know, Anthony, you had touched on this too about just, you know, uh, the, the family dynamic that we have on this show when it comes to uh, parental guidance, guidance, right? It's about trying to find that balance with allowing our children to voice their opinion to, uh, you know, do what they want to do, but then they're learning, um, you know, by their own behavior and their consequences. You know, it's not just all about us always just telling someone what to do. They have to go through it themselves. And, and I feel like it creates, you know, independence. I, I love that with this show, we allow our children to have a voice, you know what I mean? And to, and to stand up for, whatever they, 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 you know, feel or that they want to do. And, and, you know, no matter how Madeer guides them, you know, with the belt or if we just, you know, guide them with an opinion, we let them be, you know, and then they, they learn from that. And I think that's, I, in my opinion, I think that's, that's a great parenting tool. 
You know, yeah. you can't always control your kids. They have to learn how to have their own independence and their own voice. And therefore, when they get out into the world, they have more weight and foundation into to who they are as, mm-hmm. as, as a person. And that's what matters. Anthony, Anthony, she took all your time, but go ahead real quick. <laughs> all good. Ditto what she said. I, I'm, I'm used to it. It's cool. <laughs> all good. Well, look... Anthony, Tia, and Loretta, I, I I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, Tia, you took all his time. They give me the rap. Like, can I Anthony can I say, say something? Can, so I no, you guys, I agree with you. What you said is perfect. That's that's it. Get that bite. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bottom line is, my, my daddy said, when you get your own opinion, when you paying all your own bills. Yeah. Was, <laughs> Loretta, Anthony, Tia, I appreciate it. Look forward to the family reunion. Thank you so very much. You know, anyways, I do get a kick out of these folk uh, when we who who have this whole attitude. Like, I like I'm serious. This is just me. Uh, I know some of these 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 new new wave, uh, uh, you know, um, new folk. Um, I'm sorry, I, where I come from. If your ass ain't paying all your bills, um, I don't really know how these kids think they got an opinion. You know, like I, I, I get, like I, I get to express myself. No, it's like you can do what I did. You can express yourself to your damn self when you in my room that you live in, but you don't get to express it back to me to my face. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I encourage my children. I, I think there's a different. You want to encourage children to be able to ex- express themselves. And no, you don't. There's a difference between being disrespectful. <laughs> no, no, no. You encourage them to express themselves <laughs> elsewhere. Elsewhere. My children have had excellent vocabularies <laughs> and oratorical skills. I have a son who is a national oratory winner. It, you, that happens because from a very young age, he was expressing himself. No, now, that happens because his ass read. You made him go to sleep early. That means he did some homework. That's why that happened. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just, it's just real interesting to me as I watch uh, folk today raise kids uh, on Macongo. And I, I just sit there and I'm like, I know your ass ain't just gonna let them just talk like that. Just, you know, just, but, mm, okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. You know, I definitely, uh, with Dr. DeWeaver in terms both of... Y'all soft, both y'all soft. Both y'all soft. But the kids soft also know is, that we don't play. You know, at soft, the same time, yeah, right. in charge. Do, do either one of y'all have a look? Absolutely. Of course. What is it? I have stopped people dead. Nah, 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 nah. What? Hold up. What? Hold on. Right here. Right here. What's your look? Full screen, Henry. What's your? There ain't no damn look. That's called. I'm curious. Oh, Macongo, what's your look? <laughs> that ain't no damn look. That's say I'm constipated. Julian, go ahead. Go ahead. Comment, please, on this. Well, first of all, my look takes my glasses off. <laughs> straight at you, like, don't you say another you-know-what word. But um, I don't necessarily think we have to whip children. I mean, they, we were whipped in, sla- in enslavement. First of all, so I wasn't talking just about whipping. I'm just simply saying them even running their miles. Like, first of all, oh, yeah. do, do, y'all, do y'all abide by the theory, uh, this my room, when the kids say it? If your oh, kid... Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Oh, my Congo. You in my house. I remember having my desk here one time, and the boy told me he deserved his privacy. I said, here's the mortgage. The month you pay mortgage, you get privacy. Until then, you up in my house, and that's just that. He he called his mother and said, she won't let me have any privacy. She said, well, you in her house. Oh, my Congo. I'm with that. What's mine is mine. It's my house. So, nah, I'm with that 100%. 
All right, so Avis, uh, for, for for your cheering, um, do you make it clear uh, the phone they use and the Wi-Fi they own that that ain't theirs? Oh, absolutely. They they understand that this all of that stuff costs money, but you know also you know I I have encouraged entrepreneurial ways. I have a, a kid who in second grade. Uh, got you know got sent to the office because he was selling paper airplanes. He was so good at selling paper airplanes on the playground <laughs> that all the kids were spending their lunch money with him instead of spending it on lunch. So you know it kind of encouraged entrepreneurial <laughs> ways for my kids to be able to make their own money to do to get some of the things they wanted. <laughs> hey, all, all I'm simply saying is uh, you know and see and then, well, see what gets me what gets me uh, with children how they think. We don't know what's disrespectful. You know, like, we don't know what the hell... <sighs> oh, yeah. like, no, like, no. like, we don't know what the yeah. side is. You know, and the whole, you know, the whole, the look off, like, <laughs> you know, like, when your ass... I mean, did, so let me go for y'all on the... This is what that means, when your ass gonna be done. See, we all know what that means. See, and so I'm telling you, you know, I, look, I, look, all I'm saying, look, I get some, I get folk new, uh, but I'm telling y'all, uh, I'm a firm believer, something that are old school should remain new school. <laughs> and I had somebody just said, said, oh, the previous generation failed us. No. The problem is when that next generation go, I don't want to do that to my kid uh, because I didn't like it when it was done to me. And that's why you're going to have an ignorant-ass kid acting a fool with you. No, Roland, I had this aunt. She was a great aunt, my grandmother's sister. And I was sent to stay with her one summer. Um, you see me rolling my eyes because that was hell. But that lady will whip you in the morning for stuff you contemplated doing. I mean, you get up in the morning and she's hey. like, smack up. What's that for? Some, some devil bit you're going to get into today. Oh, I was so grateful when that summer was over with. But did it keep you in line? Pretty much. Right. See, <laughs> see, it's amazing how, oh, uh, yeah, you know, I, it's truth be told, it, it worked. You know, it's, a, it's amazing how, how that all always come out on any the end there. All right, y'all, y'all can check out Family Reunion uh, on Netflix. It's streaming right now. Uh, Avis Amakongo, uh, Julian, I certainly appreciate that. If some of y'all got kids out of control, uh, feel free. Uh, look, I have them straight in three days. Three days. <laughs> three days. Three days. Three days. And the, and, the, and the last day and a half, just for, just for good measure, they'll be straight in the first 36 hours. Oh, my goodness. You better I'm, start charging for that. No, no, I'm you, trying to tell you. I, look, I, look, I, look, I ain't got a problem. Y'all don't understand. I will jack up. I, I never forget. Y'all, the true story. We were at my brother's house, uh, and uh, I asked his daughter to do something, and she was about, she was about, she was sitting about 10 feet in front of me. I said, turn TV down. And, no, matter of fact, no, he was in the kitchen. That's how it started. He was in the kitchen. He was cooking. And he called her name. And she ain't moved. Now, I, I'm there. I'm, I'm reading the book. And I was like, then he called her name again. He called her name four times. And I was like, did he just call her name four times? Her ass didn't move. I was like, all right, this, this all new. You know, because him and his wife had told me, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't, they didn't spank they, they child. I was like, yeah, okay. I don't know what house she grew up in. I know what house you grew up in. And I don't know. But anyway, four times he called her name. So the TV was real loud, and I said, uh, listen, turn the TV down. She ain't moved. 
And y'all, she ain't even 10 feet in front. I said, Lizzie, turn that TV down. She ain't move. I said, turn TV down. She... So, but then, so I, then I snatched her ass. My brother's like, now look, now you see, now, now remember, we don't spank Lizzie. I said, oh, it's all cool. I'ma be the ass. Y'all don't spank her. So your yep. rules are still in place, but ain't no way in hell I'ma have a little child get called, ignore me four times, and not be a response. Oh, she got jacked up. She got jacked up. She ain't do it again. I bet when she <laughs> hear my damn, I bet she hear my damn voice in her sleep. See, I'm just saying. So some of y'all can go ahead and try that. I'm just saying, go ahead. Then you go ahead the more ignorant ass kids running around here acting a fool. And then y'all wanna, dang, I should have handled that before they would turn six. Not a hell on wheels. Mm-hmm. I know some people that I know some people go, y'all gonna be sitting there emailing me, tweeting me, or coming, no, we shouldn't be doing that. I ain't say do it all day like Julian Aunt did. I'm just saying, <laughs> a few times will get you straight. And you'll remember, yeah, I don't, ain't gonna do that because I might get my ass whooped. So let me just go ahead and think twice. Because that happened to me. You know, I was gonna do something that's kind of like, if I do that and then he find out, Man, I'm gonna be sore for four or five days. You know, I'm just gonna go ahead and skip that. I'm just gonna skip the sore part. So we good, we good. Y'all watch Family Reunion on Netflix. Uh, pal, I appreciate it. Uh, y'all, tomorrow, folks, we're gonna be, uh, of course, focusing on George Floyd. Tomorrow's the first anniversary of his death. Uh, we're gonna be live from Black Lives Matter Plaza. Hopefully, there's a rain tomorrow, like it is in all of today here in D.C. Um, we, of course, so we 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 we've been live streaming events from Minneapolis for the last uh, two days, and we'll be doing so tomorrow as well. Be sure to tune in to us. Don't forget, if y'all want to support what we do here at Rollerbark Unfiltered, you can join our Brain Funk Fan Club. Support us via Cash App, Dollar Sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingatsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com, and if you. You want to go ahead and just put your order in now for me to jack up your kid, just go ahead and pay right there, and we'll go ahead and handle it. Folks, I'll see y'all tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, and uh, before we go, you know what? I need to go ahead and do this here. Hold on here. So, um, so let me show this here, y'all. You know, look, Anthony Anderson, you know, he he been out here uh, uh, working out on his big wheelie challenge. And so uh, let me show y'all what, what, what he posted. Kill the music, please. Uh, this is what he posted. Uh, uh, today uh, on um, uh, on his Instagram. Go ahead and turn it up. Y'all hear it? Let's get it. It'll start over. All right, everybody. Monday motivation. Let's get it. Roland Martin, this is for you. Let's get it. I don't know why in the hell he went in a trash bag just to sweat and losing weight. Anthony, seriously? And I told Anthony, the reason he did that, y'all called me out, I told Anthony that he had a water bottle. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.